0: What if you'd spent the last 10 years as one half of a dynamic dance music duo whose signature sound was the soundtrack to every house party, club and festival that you can think of? And then you focused those powers, those powers of moving people emotionally to move them to a place of better mental health. Well, that's what we're talking about with Ruben Styles today. I'm Osher Ginsberg. Thanks for joining me. More about Ruben in a sec. Um, Before we get going, you might hear some ads here. If you do, I just wanted to say thanks because when you're hearing out on a podcast like this, you're helping us make it because podcasts are free to listen to, but they're not free to make. So if you hear some ads, uh, thanks heaps. If you don't, we'll get stuck into Ruben.
1: Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. You need to be
2: in that headspace of not worrying about any results whatsoever and you need to be in that headspace of I just want to come and make some new things and have fun doing it and 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 that's when you really enjoy yourself and when you enjoy yourself then you actually make songs which may or may not do well if you're rocking up thinking all right I need this to do great that there's no way no way in hell it can do great and after you do that for a couple of years, which is what we did, we started rocking up nervous about the session. Like, is today like going to be worth it or not? Am I going to r- write something which is going to, you know, at least get in the ARIA top 40 chart? Or like, is it going to be as hooky? Is it going to be as punchy? Is it going to, you know, follow the formula? <laughs> and then when you start thinking like that, you're done for. That is musician- Ruben
0: Styles from Peking Duck and You're Only Great Always. And this is better than yesterday. Welcome to Better Than Yesterday. Thanks heaps for being here. Uh, This is a podcast that's designed to help you make today better than yesterday. That's it. Something you hear on this show and every show is guaranteed to help you make today better than yesterday. Been here since 2013. At the moment, we're here three times a week, which is pretty cool. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Mondays and Wednesdays, I'm here with a guest. Fridays, I'm here with you. I'm Osher Ginsberg. I'm a TV host. I'm an author. I'm a podcaster. I'm a dad. I'm a stepdad. I'm a hip rehab exercise doer. I'm a... A room dehumidifier turner offerer because I turn it. It's been very moist in a stra- in Sydney, the last couple of days, and so my studio is. Was... We I couldn't breathe in here the other day. Anyway, and um, you can always talk to me if you need. Um, send us your email at gmail.com is where you can find me, or you can get me on Instagram. Easy, just type in Osher Ginsberg, and there I am. Thanks for being here. Today, my guest is Ruben Stiles from Peking Duck, the iconic Australian dance music duo Peking Duck, the multi-platinum, aria-winning, club-packing, festival-rocking, party, 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 Peking Duck. If you've ever been lucky enough to witness them live, you'll know it's an absolutely great time. And after over a decade of bringing nothing but vibe to summer all around the world, Ruben Stiles, one half of Peking Duck, is using his particular set of skills to bring a new project to life, You're only great always. You see, after losing some friends to mental illness, Ruben was moved to create not just a new music project, but an entire community based around that project, which encourages healthy conversations around mental health. It's unique in that sense. And that's the sole purpose of the music he's making, which is different to his Peking Duck work, but equally as rich, sonically. If you want to get amongst the music that Ruben's making, uh, look up Your Only Great Always where you get your music, or the, it's an acronym, so Y.O.G.A. Ruben and I spoke a few weeks back when Sydney was still locked down. And just a note, we do talk about the genesis of this project, which involved losing some friends to mental illness. Uh, so that does pop up during the chat. You can find Your Only Great Always on Instagram and at your only YourOnlyGreatAlways.com. Enjoy this conversation with Ruben Stiles. How are you, Ruben? You look like you're in a beautiful backyard enjoying a Sydney afternoon with a, a delightful cold brew coffee there.
2: I am doing very well, thanks, Sasha. I'm uh, I'm here in Sydney town, locked down. I feel like I haven't left this entire window of zone you can see for, the I don't know, roughly two years, kind of.
0: I, I don't know if you're aware, but sometimes there's groups of men, sometimes there's 15, sometimes there's 18, and they like to put on the same colour clothes and everyone decides it's a good idea for them to take a particularly shaped ball and get it either over a particular line or through some big sticks. And for some reason our federal and state governments think it's an ace idea to pour billions of dollars into this, but <laughs> musicians and theatres and arts and gigs apparently don't matter.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's crazy. It really is. I mean, I, as a, as a fan of all ball sports, I'm stoked I get to watch it. But, you know, seeing uh, such large crowd attendances when we can't even play a gig to a couple of hundred people right now in Sydney, it's like, it's crazy.
0: It's not just here. In Brisbane, there was, you know, 40,000 people were allowed into Lang Park, but that's one of the biggest nights of the year if you're a venue owner if you're a band you know if you're a dj uh, you know any any time after a football game that's where the bread and butter is not kind of anybody in there you can't open unless you're at 25 capacity
2: can you afford to open at 25 capacity no yeah that's the crazy <laughs> thing it's like all of this is about to reopen as they say but it's going to open up at a quarter capacity which means the venues are going to struggle even more than being closed because you've got all this stuff and they can't even, you know, make remotely close sales. So yeah, it's it's hilarious.
0: It must be so hard for, you know, as a as a young man, becoming a musician, getting into gigs and starting to go, oh, I can do this for a living. I can pay rent, have might even be able to pay a mortgage, you might be able to do this. And then <laughs> a couple of years of that chugging along, couple of nice festival runs to, you know, top up the tank. And then what's it been like to have it
2: all stop? Look, you get used to uh, some of those finer things in life, like going out for dinner and, in fact, buying a house. It's hilarious. You said that my uh, partner and I decided to buy a house a month before lockdown hit last year. Excellent. Uh, A month before Australia was in a pandemic and shut its borders and stopped uh, gigs, you know, for the following 24 months. So we got in at the wrong time, at least as far as a... uh, perspective of mine goes because I haven't earned a cent in two years. So <laughs> she's been really uh, flying our flag on behalf of both of us. But uh, yeah, it's been a big change, you know, really. Uh, I guess in a way, a lot of it's been wholesome, of course, you know, learning to, you know, cook and uh, not eat out so much and uh, learning to go for uh cheaper soaps, not fancy aesop stuff or whatever (laughs) it's like the whole lifestyle i probably did need a reset but not one like this this is outrageous
0: It's too much and how's it how's it impacted your your vintage synth and vintage gear acquisition habit
2: oh my god i haven't gotten a new anything ludicrous in so long and i miss it we were buying so many stupid things and i loved that i loved it so much you know we had a Jupiter 8 on the horizon and a good old Juno. So all the great synths, you know, toys, just toys to make studio time fun. And now I'm like getting excited about jaw harps and things that are in the $5 range. But, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> now, people obviously know you
0: from your work with Peaking Dark you've come out with a solo project, which I love that DJs get to do this. It, particularly electronic musicians get to do this. They get to come out under pseudonyms. I think at last count, I once asked Simon Lewicki, AKA Groove Terminator, how many he had. Yep. He said he lost count at about 12. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you just keep releasing music under someone else's name with a different logo.
2: <laughs> it's a fun way to behave, to be honest. And I feel like like Diplo's got like 12 pseudonyms as well. It's... Uh, it's fun because you can have different things for different lanes. You know, currently sitting at two, I feel like I really got to up the ante here and uh, get a get a few more going. But
0: well, they're two very different things. Your only great always is was sonically very different to Peking Duck.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's it. I I feel like I didn't want to do just another dance outfit. I've been putting out dance songs and records for like roughly. I don't know, 10, 12 years, I felt like I wanted to make songs that I really grew up listening to, like stuff more along the the sonic spectrum of, I guess, Radiohead and Cake and even as far as Silverchair, I guess, like all the grunge rock of the 90s, Pixies and stuff like that, which are absolutely, just mum was thrashing in the household when I was a kid. And so I guess uh, naturally, that's what I wanted to do. And it was pretty exciting getting the... Uh, Opportunity when Adam hit me up and he was like, "Mate, we've been doing duck forever. Let's always do duck." But I've got a lot of songs that I keep making and and I never get to put them out. And I'm like, "Yeah, I feel you. Let's do this. Let Let's actually get another space for output." You know, Peaking Duck's been putting out a whopping two or three songs a year for about <laughs> ten years. So, and when you're making around a hundred songs a year, it makes you feel like, "Hey, I." guess i want to put out some more music and it also affects you a lot going to the studio not knowing whether the song is actually going to be for a purpose or not and thinking oh yeah 99% chance this song will end up in song heaven with all the other songs so it's great now having you know an output where it's like even if i make a song which is a dance song for peaking duck i could still replay the song on a guitar and it could be a yoga song
0: it's interesting you talk about Song Heaven. Let's talk about Song Heaven because the real misconception about creative work that I can gather anything creative, that the artist sat down, they held a pen, and in one hand they drew it and they walked away. Like <laughs> hundreds of iterations of each of those things had to have come. Tell me about that, about just being okay with not everyone. Not every song being the one that will go, you know, top 10, hottest
2: 100. Yeah. (laughs) Look, it gets a bit demotivating and it was really hard for us because we got to uh, have such a, with the Peking Duck, we'd only put out a few songs before we got uh, that year. I think it was 2014. Two songs in the top five of the hottest 100 on Triple J and it was like straight away we felt like we had to deliver top 5 songs <laughs> like every single song had to be on that level and uh the fact of the matter is like our sound had it, it had been done before by the time we were putting out more songs and so it was impossible to uh to just do the same thing and hope it would do as well like we had to step it up and yeah luckily we've had a few more top 10 songs since then like in the hottest 100 but I guess, look, it just got really, really hard to get to the studio and just like thinking about the results before you even get there. Like that's not how to work creatively. So tell me about that. Tell me
0: about preparing yourself when you're sitting down and starting to noodle around, putting yourself under the pressure like come January this has to be top five, one, hottest 100 versus, oh, that's cool, Riff. I wonder where this goes. Like how do you get, Mate, how do you get to that part?
2: Matt, you summed it up very well. You need to be in that headspace of not worrying about any results whatsoever. And you need to be in that headspace of, I just want to come and make some new things and have fun doing it. And, and, and that's when you really enjoy yourself. And when you enjoy yourself, then you actually make songs which may or may not do well. If you're rocking up thinking, all right, I need this to do great, that there's no way no way in hell it can do great and after you do that for a couple of years which is what we did we started rocking up anxious like started rocking up nervous about the session like is this is today like going to be worth it or not am I going to write something which is going to you know at least get in the ARIA top 40 chart or like is it going to be as hooky is it going to be as punchy is it going to you know, follow the formula. (laughs) And then when you start thinking like that, you're done for. Absolutely done for. And we did start thinking like that for a good couple of years. And it started leading us down this crazy path of, you know, doing so many extracurricular activities. That's a tongue twister for me. Uh, (laughs) And we started opening, we opened a bar in Melbourne. We wrote a kid's book and we did a whole bunch of things which were not music related because music was such a, We've got to go through that again. We've got to go to the studio, and it's got to be really good, and it's got to get results. Started like worrying, and I guess when you've had a few songs all go whatever double platinum in a row, you start thinking if one of the next songs doesn't achieve that much, like at least a double platinum, then then we're screwed forever. <laughs> it's over.
0: <laughs> but that's not how it works. But I can, I can understand why you why you started wanting to find. Different thing because the I get that the pressure to perform and it's ultimately your business. You know you're producing a product to use a very uh, '80s record industry term. You know, know your product. You're producing. Yeah. You're producing a product, and your audience is expecting when they go to that shelf, they want that product to. You know, I mean the cl- not that you are. I'm telling you, you're not. But the classic example is ACDC. Every two years. Another album. Did the song sound any different to the album two years before? Nah. Did anybody care? Not nah, because it meant the band would tour. <laughs> you know? Yeah, did they, exactly. Did they play any songs that's from your album? Point. Nah. Did I care? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you know, but that's the product. You know, a band like that, they'll just keep putting out, delivering the product. And I guess from what I'm hearing you say is that the, the pressure to keep repeating that became rather than start dabbling in the forced nature of producing that you're like well, what else can we do that's still duck flavored but not
2: not that yeah and look we did know that we had to you know do the thing where like you know coca-cola can drop whatever pepsi blue or whatever the new flavor but as long as they've always got coke on the shelf people are going to be happy and you can go through all the crazy flavors here and there intermittent so we did kind of realize you know maybe every second song we can just do whatever the heck we want and that started really you know freeing us and making us feel excited about going to the studio and instead of writing like 90 percent duck sounding songs songs that sounded like high and take me over the two in the top five that i've mentioned before which did have the same tempo, the same loud wall of sound thing and the same, I guess, structure. And so we'd sort of call that like a duck song. And anything that sounds a little bit like those songs is a duck song. Uh, Songs like Stranger and Fire. And I guess like, yeah, we were going like to the studio thinking maybe 90% of our time would be spent towards making classic sounding duck songs. But yeah, once we realized you can just whip in the odd, cheeky flavor here and there, we did start going A B A B and then songs like Fake Magic and Wasted. We could put that out, a left curveball or something like that, bring it back with another classic duck song. And that did make it extremely fun. But I guess at the end of the day, we were still getting worried about the duck songs delivering results and still worrying about just so many things. And I think um, until we started doing our side projects, like, and still like for me, especially like once yoga, like Your Only Great Always started, I now feel just so excited about working on dark songs because I now know that you're not meant to think about the results and the less you focus on the results, the more fun you'll have making the song and, you know, if you're just there playing with you know sticks and tambourines and thinking of cool sounds and cool riffs and just latching on to whatever actually happens, yeah, you just feel great all the time and you actually make much better tunes. You're describing the
0: flow state in a
2: beautiful way man that's what you you really are i mean that's what
0: you're describing which i adore and if it's not a banger it's not a banger that's fine because you need to you know what did i hear i heard it described the other day you know you you think that an expert sharpshooter has just got you know reams of paper targets with a hole directly in the middle of the middle of the bullseye no he's got years of you know bullets all over the place you know exactly it, he only shows you the ones with the bullseye but every time he misses he corrects a little corrects a little corrects a little yeah and that's what life is it's a fallacy to think that every time you hit go that it's going to be a monster when it comes to creating a new thing creating a new musical identity creating a new project it's not just hey this is Ruben styles this is me doing something different there's a real ideology behind your only great always isn't there
2: Absolutely, I wanted your only great always to be a more of a, you know, of a message and a project all in one. Where it's you know you've got the music, but also spaces where you can talk about mental health. I lost one of my best friends when I was seventeen to depression, and I guess ever since then I uh, have just always tried to learn how that happened, and I guess I'll never really understand why. I never could. But I'm starting to realise how, and I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of parts of Australian culture which uh, contribute to uh, people getting into such such low depressions, and also having them be so so invisible. You know, seeing someone with a smile on their face, with their chin up, that it's something so intergenerationally acquired in Australia, which. Uh, I really don't think you see as much in, for example, the states like where everyone's so happy to talk about their therapist. Over here, everyone's like, mate, if you're down, you drink a cup of concrete and you harden the F up and you put a smile on your dial, there are starving kids in Africa. And it's like, that's just what everyone has said for so long here. And I can't fault our grandparents. You know, they built cities and did pretty epic extraordinary things but yeah i think it's just so ingrained in us that you need to shut your mouth if you're not feeling good and i guess that all these little things started contributing to i guess why i saw a friend of mine with big smiles on his face and and now he's no longer with me and it, it was just the most confusing time of my life and uh, i really wanted to uh you know with this new project use it as also an opportunity where I can get friends together to uh, share stories on the your only great always Instagram about, you know, their own mental health successes and perhaps their own benefits of therapy and things that they've gone through. And perhaps they've gone through a big low, but you know, the importance of working through it had built them up to become a stronger and happier person than they ever have been before. And I think stories like that, I think are really important to share and, um, Anyway, so that's, I guess that's how the project started uh, becoming a little bit more mental health focused and, uh, and why I wanted to call it You're Only Great Always, because I do want to remind everyone that they are.
0: I, I can't imagine what it would have been like to lose a mate at such a formative time in your life. What do you remember? And I only, I only ask this because my eldest is nearly 18 now. Do you remember what your parents, do you, how, how did your parents talk to you about it at the time?
2: Yeah, I lived with, with just my mum and she was just so distraught and like every time she'd see me, she she really didn't know what to say and she uh, just kept trying to be there in every way, shape and form. And I, I think like for the first three weeks, uh, every time I'd see her, she'd just ball her eyes out like she couldn't hold it in. She'd just be like and just try hug me and hold me and be like, I don't want to let go. And I'm like, it's okay. uh, uh, it was, yeah, it was really, it was really hard. And I, I think, um, I guess all I knew was she just, she loves me a lot. And, and that's, uh, it's a good thing to take away. I guess I, no one knows how to behave. One of our friends, uh, uh, has Irish parents and, I feel like there's something going on in the Irish air because somehow they just knew what to say every second. So we ended up spending a lot of our, probably a lot of the two months that followed the incident around their place because there was just some beautiful warming thing happening in the four leaf Cloverland. So we we spent a lot of time there and uh, it really helped.
0: I totally get why your mum would have embraced you like that. You know, not only would this have definitely been a kid, she would have known quite well if he was your best mate, you know, he would have Mm. been around all the time. But also every time she saw you, she would have gone, could have been you, you know, and just being with that because we never think it's going to be our kid and we never think it's going to be our mate. The stats are colossal that we'll lose nine Australians today from suicide and 178 will attempt. That's every day in Australia, all right? And that this isn't on every billboard in every city that, you know, if this was, God, I don't know, Ruben, i say it a bit, you know, if this was air traffic, if 63 people died every week in an air traffic accident, that'd close every fucking airport, you know? A hundred percent they would. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Don't know
0: how to stop it. Carry on, everyone. No fucking way. (laughs) You wouldn't see a plane taken off until they figured it out.
2: It just, and it makes you wonder, like, how is this, how is this not getting just infinitely more support on a level? Like, why are we not just making, you know, free therapy a thing and and creating places for people to go, like for anyone to go at any given point? Like it's still just extremely hard. Like if you want to book in to see a therapist, good luck. Like get on the waiting list now. It's so hard. And, um, Obviously, I think we're starting to, you know, as a country that the leaders are starting to realise it's important, but it's still like, it's, it's crazy. Those stats are insane. Like, yeah. how how on earth can't we just make it easy for people to get help?
0: It's over, over a thousand people a week are in so much pain that they'll make an attempt, and that's Every one of those people has an uncle, aunt, brother, sister, son, daughter, mother, father that knows intimately how much pain they're going through and is equally affected, you know, and doesn't, you know, might not know what to do. And just the on-flow effect of that, the ripple effect, uh, you're a perfect example, you know, you, your mum, I think it's like 115 people are affected for every person we lose to suicide. That's a number I vaguely recall from a meeting I had once. <laughs> um, but it's it's huge. It's a huge yeah. amount of people. Big, big number. It's a big, big, big number. And I've, I talk about this quite a bit. You know, for many years I, I'd lost mates to suicide and I'd never understood it until it, those thoughts started happening to me. And... I remember, Ruben, once I realized when I was experiencing episodes of psychosis that manifested as paranoid delusions, it was terrifying, horrible. I do not recommend it. But my brain went, hey, man, I know a really good way to make this stop. Oh, man. Hey, come here, come here. And I was like, oh, that's, oh, fuck. Oh, why didn't I think of that before? Everything would be so much. And instantly in that moment, I'm like, oh, fuck, this is the thing. Like, because I was seeing things that weren't there, and I was hearing things that weren't there, and in that moment, I knew that those things that I was seeing and hearing weren't around. But I knew that my brain was distorting things. But I was lucky, man. I was so lucky to go. Maybe that thought's distorted as well, showing up as the fucking great idea. Maybe it's a product of the same sick brain. But I was really fucking lucky. Wow. That that
2: when did it happened you, to me. Did man, it feel like that would be a thing which really would make? solve every every single problem all the pain everything could wash away so freely
0: to to try to explain the level of physical agony that i was in as well is difficult i don't know if you have brothers or sisters who are older than you or younger than you if you're playing with lego and they come up behind you and flick you on the ear and you kind of flinch because you you know you're kind of anticipating it Oh, yeah. Every time the looping thoughts would come around, I would flinch in pain because my brain had no longer, was no longer able to tell what was real and what was imagined. So wow. I was in this, this kind of never-ending kind of physical pain, this, this kind of flinches and agony that would happen about every eight to ten seconds. And it, it was just, fuck, man, it was, it was like getting hit. Oh, man. It was awful. It was awful until I was like, hey, I know what to do here. And I was like, what? <laughs>
2: oh man. Yeah, I, I was really lucky. How did you work through that? How did you get out the other side?
0: Man, I'm the luckiest guy ever. Not only was I, you know, born white and male and into a middle class family in a safe, safe country. I also had gotten sober about when was it about four years before, three years before? So I had learned how to question my thoughts. I'd learned how to interrupt my impulsive. Behavior when it came to drinking and using. And I knew before I did something like that, like they teach you, like before you pick up a drink, pick up the phone. And I knew to call people. I, I just knew to call people. So I just started fucking calling people and I just stayed on the phone to people for hours. Like friends and
2: and mm, mm, family.
0: Yeah, yeah. anyone on I, I was in the Middle East of all places at the time. <laughs> I was on a wow. job on the job there. And on a job, not on the job. I was on a job there. <laughs> and um uh, yeah, I was shooting a pilot. That sounds even worse. I was a television pilot.
2: <laughs> <laughs> With ID, was...
0: the IDF up my ass in a second. Um I was shooting a <laughs> shooting a TV pilot, right? And um so it was the middle of the night, right? But I knew that Australia would be awake. So I called my, I started calling my brothers, just FaceTiming my brothers. And then as, you know, I knew that America would be up. So I started calling people as, as the sun went around the world, just kind of calling yeah. people until I felt safe enough to go to sleep. My doctor was one of those
2: people that I called, obviously. Great. Um, That's so impressive to, to be able to zoom out in a time like that where you cannot zoom out. You've got someone telling you that you've got all your, all your pains are gonna, you know, wash away so easily if you want. And you you're able to then go, No, I'm gonna talk, I'm gonna fight these pains. And that's so hard and so so impressive.
0: I was really lucky, mate. It was just like anything, it's just the culmination of stuff I'd learned, you know. It was just I just got really lucky to have had the enough tools. And I sent have learned a lot more tools. And at the bottom of it, it's like don't not making permanent decisions to solve temporary problems is probably the number one thing you know whatever that be yeah yeah really you know it's so so important and you know being a young which which part of the country did you grow up in canberra canberra right right so being a young man <laughs> being a young man very growing cold
2: up, winters very long dark cold winters in canberra and there is a season for uh Sadly, there is a season for losing friends uh, in Canberra and it is at the end of winter. And It's really, it is a thing. And um, crazily, in the last two years, two other people from my school that are my age that I'm not still in touch with and haven't been in touch with but did go to my school in my year group have also lost their lives to depression just in the last 24 months alone. Yeah, there's there is something really dark and murky about Canberra winters, which uh, anyway, that's where I'm from. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but like I, to
0: the point, you know, where I was going to mention, you know, as a as a young man, it's between the ages of 18 and 25 is a dangerous time to be alive, you know. There's enough stuff coming at you and suicide is the leading cause of death in a lot of young men. And that's, you know, if it were anything else, Ruben, if it were... God, if it were vapes, well, they've already banned it. If it was AirPods, if it was AirPods, right? If AirPods, these Apple things here that I put in my ears to hear my, my podcast, if that was that was the leading cause of death in young Australians, they would ban them tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, it's just, but it's such a complicated thing, you know,
2: talking about this kind yeah. of stuff. It'd be so nice to have a, a, an object, a black and white object to blame and ban. Yeah.
0: So where does it start for you? You wanted to, you know, create your Only Great Always as a way to, you know, start conversations and openly talk about this. Where does, because I, I love are you Okay Day. I'd imagine a lot of people are a bit put off because they don't know what to do if the answer comes back is no. Yep. What does that mean for you? What is a conversation, what is an open conversation about people's mental health? What does it mean for you? And what's your words of advice for someone who to have a conversation like this or to
2: hear a conversation like that? Yeah, look, I guess yoga and your only great always the whole purpose about people sharing these stories is so that everyone can see people a bit more defenseless, a bit more with their guard down, a bit more vulnerable, sharing quite intimate stories that, that you don't just see every day. Um, and you don't hear stories like yours 10 minutes ago every day. And it's stuff like that. that When people hear it, they immediately feel like, there's a weight off their shoulder if they have something and they hear and feel and see living proof seeing you right now is, is proof that you give someone a damn call and start talking to them straight away. And that's the whole purpose of, uh, of the project. That conversation is so important, but yeah, if someone asks you if you're okay and you say, no, I don't think they're going to really know what to say. I think, and that is one of the tricky things about Are You Okay Day. People do ask the question without any training. And so it makes it a really tough one. Um, uh, I don't know how they can rebrand it to, hey, if, uh, are you okay? If not, uh, here's some cool people to talk to. Uh, <laughs> day. But, and, and it's a good day because it, it shines a big light on uh, on stuff like the numbers. and Yeah. And I know that Are You Okay, the... That it's really important, I think, and this is what I said leading up to Are you okay, Davis? Everybody go on their website, they've got a little training sheet on how to ask which questions following which responses. And you can you can literally learn so many great things on that website in about five minutes. And if someone says, Oh, I'm not sure. Like if you ask someone if they're okay, they say I'm not sure, then you've got all these great responses and ideas to start the conversation and just keep asking questions and keep asking more questions. It's a tough one because all right, I remember a couple of years ago, everyone just going, are you okay? Are you okay? And it's like, it really lost uh, its meaning for a second there, but I'm, I'm glad to see it's it's starting to uh, come back and people are starting to, you know, actively learn how to approach it better.
0: Are you okay? That is one of the fantastic movements happening in our country Around mental health and and I guess trying to work on destigmatizing and creating conversations, you've done some work with Black Dog Institute, who uh, I've worked with closely before. Tell
2: me about that. Black Dog Institute uh, did mullets for mental health for the first time last year, and Black Dog Institute, I guess, they're fundraising money for mental health research, which, uh, as you said before, it's a it's a really There is a lot of unknown and it's very complicated and it's not as easy as banning AirPods or vapes. And I think research is a really, really crucial factor, especially in our home turf, just learning more about our culture and being able to put that into the research and why we have such extraordinarily high numbers as a nation because it's not normal. Yeah, Black Dog Institute, uh, one of many great, charities in the mental health scope and they started doing this one uh campaign last year which i don't know it's kind of like movember it's called mullets for mental health and uh i was very stoked to get amongst it last year and cut a sick mullet and get to rep it but uh yeah this year it came around again and i was like all right i'm building a team this time and we got about 15 of us involved and the cool thing about this compared to movember i'm not trying to sell it but I'm selling it right now. You got to do it next year at least in September. The cool thing about mullets for mental health is girls can do it too. November, mm-hmm. it's a fun campaign, yeah, whatever. It's only for dudes. And I understood, you know, they're raising for prostate cancer, but I think mullets for mental health it does affect everyone and I think mullets look great on everyone. Think of Scarlett Johansson back in the uh, early noughties with that mullet. That was perfect. So, girls and guys getting together to cut mullets to raise money for mental health. That's, I guess, how I started getting talking with Black Dog Institute. And I just thought they were very, uh, very clever for coming up with mullets for mental health. It's pretty awesome. My uh,
0: our youngest has a sick mullet at the moment, yes. model on Ryan Pappenhausen. And, um, it's so good. He really looks like he could be playing keytar in, uh, you know, <laughs> wholehearted the extreme Australian extreme experience. Like he's really, he's awesome. It's sick, and he loves it. It's,
2: it's that's so dope. It's so get sick. him the keytar. Get. <laughs> I'm gonna have to, dude. Get um, him on stage for a yoga gig.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, dude. He went to. I'll send you a photo. He went to daycare in his um, matching three stripe Adidas track pants today. Come on. Yeah. Where the people are dressing. It's out of control.
1: Is he straight
0: out of
2: DMAs or what?
0: Mate, he's ready to hit Miami. He's ready for the big, (laughs) what was that big ridiculous convention they used to do? WMC. Yeah. He's ready for that. Oh my God. (laughs) And he'll just stay (laughs) for Art Basel. He's not going to leave. He's just going to sit up at the the Delano (laughs) and never leave.
2: Uh, (laughs) Putting on parties for spring breakers all year round. All
0: year round, nothing but white. It's going to be amazing. (laughs) Just a moment away from Ruben to just ask a favour, if you wouldn't mind. If this podcast is enjoyable, if this podcast brings you value, if you enjoy these shows, the ones I make on Mondays, Wednesdays, Wednesdays, the ones I make on Fridays, if you enjoy them, tell a friend, please. Just tell a friend, hit share in the podcast app you're using and shoot it over to a friend on a text or DM or whatever and let them know or um, just leave a rating, leave a review and follow the podcast wherever you can. On whatever platform you listen, just please follow or subscribe depending on what it's called. That really, really, really does uh, help us a lot here at this show and that is an easy way for you to to return the value that you get from this show if it does bring you any value. I just wanted to let you know that I'll be back here on Wednesday. We're having a quick revisit with my conversation um, with Peter Garrett, the lead singer of Midnight Oil. It was incredible to sit face-to-face with him as a cracker chat and um, we're going to take a little, a few bites out of it to give you an overview uh, because it's pretty great. Now, you might hear some ads here, you might not. If you do, thanks again. If not, we're right back with Ruben Styles.
2: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care.
1: That's O-S-E-A, Malibu.com, code GLOW. So give us, a, give us an
0: idea of, you know, you, you, you're someone who makes some money, you know. It's your business is to get out there, as we mentioned earlier, your business is to get out there and play music to change people's mood states from not party to party to, I wasn't thinking about things and now I think about things with the, the yoga stuff, for example. What does the world look like for you as COVID starts to become a part of our everyday life? Have you had a think about how it's going to play out?
2: Yeah, look, I guess the way it's playing out is simply the fact that duck is my party lifestyle. Yoga is also, you know, it's fun and it's music and it's got conversations as well. There's, there's the yin and yang now. It's not just party and don't take yourself seriously. It's like you should do that if you want, but also... uh, you know, realize that you've got to work through things at the same time. And I guess the COVID lifestyle has uh, brought on a lot of uh, downtime, a lot of Zen. So I'm not sure how post COVID I'm going to handle going back to gigs and late nights and early flights. And I, I, I'm really kind of worried, to be honest. I, I I feel like that's the last thing I should say. I should be really psyched to play gigs and make money again. but I'm nervous. I am actually nervous because I've just become such a, I don't know, I feel at peace with absolutely everything and I'm loving life as it is right now. <laughs> to change it sounds terrifying. <laughs> it's interesting how much of our lives that we just accepted
0: before all this. And we went, hang on, what? I was literally, I was getting on a plane to sit in a meeting room with other people for an hour, then getting on a plane to go back again. Like what? What do I even do that for? Yeah. <laughs> it just makes the, the wastage. It just makes, makes no sense. How have you, you seem, you seem pretty chilled. I mean, you seem pretty zen. What's been the, you know, for someone who's had the money taps shut off on them and a high-profile thing because, oh, hang on, you're the guy on the, on the, I see your videos all the time on YouTube. I hear you on Spotify play all the time. You must be rolling in cash. Like, no, the money tap just turned off, you know, for you. How do you keep it together? How do you deal with the uncertainty of whatever we're going through at the moment?
2: For me, I I just have to uh, know that, you know, gigs will come back and, you know, whilst it's been really tough and tight, I'm really quite fortunate and I know a lot of friends of mine in the music industry have got full-time jobs now. A lot of people in bands, a lot of people in bands that were starting to explode, like that were just getting booked for their first Splendour about to tour America, all these things were about to happen. And then start of March last year, they uh, had to reassess everything. And now music potentially will always be a thing on the side for them. They feel like that two years was two years. They felt young enough to tour and, you know, spend all their time and money just like creating a name in different territories and countries and, spend all their time touring and performing and turning it into a thing, a, a tangible thing that you can touch, not just something you press play on in and out. It's also something you can watch and experience and feel and see. And you buy the merch afterwards and you, then you've got it on you. It's like, there's so many parts about it, which a lot of musicians missed out on. And not to mention you don't make any money as a musician on Spotify when you could be playing gigs, selling tickets. It's uh, Historically, gigs are the only real moneymaker for any musician. So it's just so demotivating for so many people. And I, I guess I'm just so fortunate that Duck has had such a hot streak previously with sales on records, but also with big gigs. And we're in a position where we do know that we will be fine, where I just really feel for the whole music industry and people that have just moved on. It's actually, it's heartbreaking. And and so when I think about that, not to be like saying, oh, there's starving kids in Africa. I have food in my tummy, I'm fine. I genuinely feel really, really lucky and really happy because it's just such a high percentage of friends that I know that aren't doing music full-time anymore.
0: And we talked about a little bit before, the flow on effect of having, you know, arts and culture not supported through this time. Yeah. Music is famously, music is the, the time machine. Music is the thing that when you hear a, a, a hook or a, a piano riff or a song or a chorus, boom, you're transported back. And that's why we love it. You know, we love it because it takes us, bait. it imprints upon our brain this timestamp of where we were, who we were with, what we were doing. And, you know, I can listen to Justice versus Simeon's We Are Your Friends. I won't explain where I was or what I was doing, but a smile comes to my <laughs> face, sir. A smile comes to my face. Can I do that? with Brian Toto's Incredible Try at the Grand Final the other night? Probably, right? But Absolutely. Can we share it? <laughs> can I share it with a stranger I've never met? Like it's, We're missing this yeah. gigantic opportunity to document our cultural experience through music, and oh, it's this 100%. gaping chasm in our cultural narrative that is just kind of left open. And as you mentioned, the the momentum of, of how music and artistic careers grow and build and grow and build, there's this huge hole. And how long will it take us to get back from that?
2: You know? Oh, and just to think of the average 19 year old right now that could be on a dance floor in wherever the cross and hearing Justice and Simeon, that whatever that is of today, like a Dom Dollar song, like they're not going to be able to understand anything along those lines they've missed 2 years of i'm pretty sure i didn't go night clubbing after i turned 21 like it was 18 to 21 maybe max and then after that it was bars and you know gentler places and uh, it's those kind of experiences and places which like yeah you you can just hear a song and go back to so many great memories of of just learning about nightlife and culture and it just being so crazy because you go your whole life until you turn 18 you're not allowed to do something and then you're finally allowed to see what it's like on the inside of the club and yeah there's those club tracks which is the whole reason peaking duck became a thing was us partying from 18 to 20 and uh that's why we started doing electronic music we wanted to be on the other side of the decks throwing parties and uh yeah, I can't even imagine like how many people would be just so far from inspired right now to go down that path, for example. You you don't even there's yeah. nothing you can tangibly see or do that'd make you go, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna dabble in that. Like it's yeah, it's so sad.
0: I'm I'm interested to see what happens. I think pressure always always flows, you know, into the low pressure spot. So when there's this, you know, low pressure space of this n- not real kind of nightlife or party town or, or music that comes with that and then the trickle-down effect of those club tracks and what then comes to the radio. I'm interested to hear in like in two years or so from now once things start up again, you know, what's it going to be like? You know, what are the tracks that we're missing out on but also what are the tracks that are going to be created on the back end of this? Yeah, And this is the, this is the other side of that, Ruben, is there some kid who doesn't know the unspoken rules about, oh no no then you've got to have a side chain filter on the kick drum. So the bass line goes like this and it's got to, and you've got to have this build up and there's got to be a drop. That's how songs go. They're like, I'm just making this because it sounds cool. They're completely uninfluenced by anything. And what yeah. they will come up with, that
2: excites me. That excites Absolutely. me. Absolutely. Yeah, music that isn't written to help work the crowd, but music that is written to experience in more places, like in in solitude and in the club, and I guess uh, instead of trying to make songs that bring people together, people will probably be trying to make songs that you can do anywhere in the car, yeah. at home, at the park. Yeah, you know, it's it, where where is this music going to go? Like, I have no idea. <laughs> and that's such a great concept. What kind of new? music is going to be coming out in the next two years it's yeah. crazy to think uh, about
0: uh, yeah it's like you know when you hear oh this is hip-hop artists from some name a country in africa you're like the fuck that sounds amazing because <laughs> they never learned what they're not supposed to do so they just did what felt good you know <laughs> yeah, totally. and it's i can't wait for hope there's more of that to be honest i really hope hope there's more of that I'm so grateful for your time. I don't don't want to keep you from this beautiful afternoon and spending time with you. It is a beautiful
2: afternoon. It's a beautiful
0: afternoon. But just, mate, thank you so much for having this chat with me. I'm stoked that you put something else on the side together and I'm stoked that you did it with let's just do it for not only the music but for a reason to get people talking and get people sharing their experiences. I'm really grateful to connect with you about it today, man. Thanks heaps.
2: Thank you and thanks for sharing um, your story from before. It's, It's really, really inspiring stuff. Thanks, man.
0: Tell me, last question. Um, do you make your own cold brew?
2: I do. Yes. I do indeed. I bought a bunch of nice little bottles to put it in as well so I can I dish out cold brew to my friends, including my neighbour who's behind that fence. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I'm a big fan of doing my own cold brew. Do you
0: have the tower that looks like the thing? Oh, the toddy?
2: Yeah. The, the big toddy? No, nah, I've gone the... Uh, uh, look, I'm, I'm going to bloody run you in and show you my... Uh, current setup oh so please that-
0: do because i've got the little hario thing that briggs put me onto and it's amazing
2: yeah i'm on this hurrio. oh yes that's the shit oh it's a good time yeah hurrio everything you've inspired
0: me to do some cold brew in the morning because our, our espresso machine's on the fritz at the moment and i'm just a bit over
2: the aero press so yeah and it's it's hot enough now in the daytime to have a cold brew yeah, it is it
0: is but i'm glad <laughs> you got them in little bottles because Look, as been, I'm 11 and a half years sober. Caffeine's the only thing I've got in my life, but I can still still get the taste. You know, it's like, ooh, more. Mm. If enough is good, more will be better. <laughs> like, no. Oh,
2: caffeine's <laughs> the best drug of all time.
0: <laughs> oh, and then two in the morning, I'm lying there counting my breaths like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. All right, man. Well, let's have a cold brew one day. It's good to talk to you, mate. Good times, my dude. That's was Ruben Styles. you can find the work he's doing at the moment Your Only Great Always it's on Instagram and youronlygreatalways.com is the website massive thanks to Ruben for taking the time to make that with me it was super cool great videos as well jump onto YouTube there's some cracking videos in, uh, that they've put together it's a really lovely project and, and beautiful and, and yeah the community that's going up around the project is doing exactly what Ruben wanted it to do so jump in be a part of the community it's, it's pretty great Pretty great thing that he's created. Big thanks to Andy Maher, my audio producer this week. Uh, Rachel Barrett, my executive producer. Well, this week, every week. They all do it every week. <laughs> Bree Steele on research and Toe Heider on the music. Again, if this podcast brings you any value, please do share it, tell a friend, follow where you can, leave a rating and a review where you can. It'd be super, really helpful for us. Um, you can find me on Instagram if you need me, Osher Ginsberg on Instagram and also send Osher email at gmail.com. I'll see you Wednesday with Peter Garrett. Until then, sleep well and dream of beautiful things.